Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and then grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. How about that? Man, I get goosebumps and I cry every time. I see lots of people like, pass the tissues. Oh my gosh, every single time. Curtis, are you in here today? I saw Curtis here earlier. He's around... He's around here somewhere. He's loving on people. So um, let's, uh, we honor Curtis. And um, actually, since we made that video so perfect, we decided we need to show it again for the beginning of our new series today. More on that in a minute. But since we made that video, Curtis has been named the pastor of Celebrate Recovery here at Community of Hope. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. When, when you're Scottish like me, you got hairy arms and, you know, a beard that's eating my face. I get goosebumps down my arms and up my cheeks, too. So, so man, just awesome. Praise God. So, so, so good. So, the reason we showed that video is uh, we're launching a new series today that is called I Am Community of Hope, much like those videos that we've done over the past several years. So, say that with me. I Am Community of Hope. I am community of hope. That's right. That's what we're going to be talking about here today. So more on that in just a minute. So hey, listen, if um, you jumped in in the middle of worship or in the middle of music, my name is Trevor. I'm one of the pastors here. We're glad that you've joined us for worship here today online. Happy Labor Day weekend to everybody who may be out of town, visiting, um, out of town, doing whatever on a long weekend. So uh, we're glad that you've joined us for worship today. Hey, uh, listen, uh, a couple quick things before we jump in. One for everybody, especially streaming online. We're going to be taking communion together today as a church at the end of our service. So make sure to go ahead and grab some bread, grab some juice wherever you're at, grab what you can. And uh, at the end of our message today, we're going to take communion together. We're all going to gather around the table of Jesus, whether here in person or digitally. The presence of the Holy Spirit knows no time or distance, and he will join us together in his name. So we'll make sure we're going to do that here in a minute. And also, Pastor Dale um, has the weekend off this week. He had a very heavy week of leading out in a bunch of different ministry areas of our church, and he did two funerals on Friday. One was for a pastor friend of ours who died of COVID who came out of our church. He had a very heavy week. And so me and others on the team looked at him and said, don't come on Sunday. <laughs> so can our pastor have a weekend off to recover? Is that okay? Yeah, amen. Amen. So Dale will be back here preaching at the Loxatchee campus next week with us. He's going to be continuing our series, uh, I Am Community of Hope. So speaking of that, we're starting a new series today. Like we already said, I Am Community of Hope. Now, we're not talking about me like Trevor. I am Community of Hope. Who's Community of Hope? Well, to you guys get it. Great. Let's go home. Cool. <laughs> we'll talk about that here in just a moment. Here's how I want to start today. Uh, I want to start talking about my kids. And I love talking about my kids. In fact, my kids are visiting their grandparents on their first ever weekend away from Leah and I with their grandparents in Tampa. So Kate and Tessa, I know, pretty cool. So Kate and Tessa, I promised them I would do this. Kate and Tessa, hi. <laughs> I miss you. Ah, yep. So um, very fun, very fun. They're having a great time this weekend. I want to talk to you guys and tell you a story about Kate and Tessa and about my kids and how we got through um, the early days of the pandemic. Uh, back in early 2020, when everything went on lockdown, we didn't know anything about COVID. I mean, we still don't feel like we know much now, but certainly when everything was at the peak of it all, um, all of us did different things to cope with COVID and to cope with the pandemic and try to get through it. One of the main ways we got through it, uh, the beginning stages, was through bikes. Here's a picture of my kids and their bikes. 
There's Cade and Tessa and me getting ready to push Suzanne and Leah's holding the phone. That was us on a trail. And uh, my kids, during the pandemic, uh, both learned how to ride a bike. Both lost their training wheels during the early days of the pandemic. And uh, we would go on family exercise bike rides together. Uh, we would go in the mornings before I would start in on work and start doing all sorts of stuff for the church. And we would go and ride together. They would get on their bikes. I would push Susanna. Leah would walk. And we would go on walks there. We would ride a couple miles together. And we had family exercise every morning. And it's one of the fondest memories I have from that really difficult season was all of our family exercise, all of the bike rides, all that fun. Now, um, one of the days when we're riding around, Cade started to complain about his legs, that his legs hurt like, Dad, my legs are burning. This is hard. Something, oh, and me being the kind, gentle, loving, I'm a pastor, Jesus lives inside of me, Father, I responded to Cade exactly the way you'd think I would. Toughen up, kid. Let's go. Just quit complaining. When I was your age, I rode uphill 20 miles to school both ways. <laughs> and only to find out we got home, I looked at the poor kid's bike. Kate had rode over a mile on a flat tire. <laughs> Who's got two thumbs in his dad of the year? This guy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, um... So I learned an important lesson about having bikes and whatnot is that if you're going to have a bike, what's essential to having bikes is having a pump, is needing one of these. You have to have one of these um, because uh, air leaks out of tires. It leaks. Now, nobody lets air out of tires. It just leaks. Nobody lets it out. Now, that is, I don't know if Tessa snuck into the garage late at night and like knifed his you know, tire and didn't tell anybody. I don't know. Um, nobody lets the air out. It just leaks. It's true for bike tires. It's true for car tires. Air leaks out of tires. It leaks. It just happens. So what you always have to do is you always have to put fresh air into it. You all continually have to make sure there's a fresh supply of air that's at the right inflation point. You need to do that, or else it's not going to work right. This is true in a great visual metaphor for what's true about organizations. Um, organizations, there's this thing that business leaders say, they have leaks too, but they don't leak air, they leak something else, they leak vision. Now what we mean by vision is for an organization to understand, excuse me, For an organization to understand who they are and why they exist is their mission and is their vision. Who they are and why they exist. They need to have laser focus about that. And when they um, have their vision clear, things go well. But the only problem is it's universally true for all people and for organizations of all types. Vision leaks like air out of tires. It just does. It's power to the human condition because we forget what's most important and people forget who we are and we forget why we exist all the time. Let me tell you an example. Um, there's a wonderful story about um, some changes that Starbucks went through in the late 2000s. Now I'm a big Starbucks fan. Everybody knows that 
I'm like instant human, add coffee. Um, if I try, somebody tries to draw blood, they're going to get blonde roast from Starbucks coming out of my veins. Um, I know some of you are Duncan fans. In fact, somebody just held up a Duncan cup here on the front row. I understand. I understand some of you like Duncan. Nobody's perfect. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah, so... Um, there's a story about what uh, some changes that Starbucks went through in the mid-2000s. They rapidly expanded as an organization, but some of their rapid growth, they lost a little bit of what was unique to them being Starbucks, but they didn't know it. Their vision was leaking. In fact, Starbucks, their mission statement, listen to this. This is who they understand themselves to be and why they exist. Do they want to make a profit? Yes. Do they want to make money? Yes. But this is their main reason why they exist. Starbucks' mission is to inspire and nurture the human spirit, one person, one cup, one neighborhood at a time. This is why they're not just in the business of a bottom, uh, the, the bottom line of selling coffee. They want to sell in a third-place experience that's not the home, that's not the workplace, but a place for people to connect over a cup of coffee and a table in a beautiful setting. And Starbucks thinks if they do that right, the bottom line will work itself out. That's how they operate as an organization. Their vision began to leak without them knowing it. And as their vision began to leak, their bottom line began to leak as well. In the year 2007, without a major leadership change or without a major crisis, the the stock price of Starbucks fell in one year by 42%. Yeah, it's bad news. They had a leak. And so what the leader of Starbucks at the time, he was chairman of the board, former CEO, he's a legendary CEO, Howard Schultz, decided... We need to remember who we are and why we exist. In fact, he wrote a memo to the whole organization that got leaked to the public. It wasn't meant to go out to the public, but it made its way into the public sphere. And he wrote this to his top senior leadership team that we have all been part of decisions here that at the time seemed right, but long term, they have, and listen to how the CEO of Starbucks says this. He said, but over time, These have led to the watering down of the Starbucks experience. When a coffee CEO says something has been watered down, you know it's bad. And so they went through tons of gutsy leadership decisions to pump vision back into the organization. They closed over 7,000 stores in one day to retrain all their baristas on how to make the perfect espresso. They cut the fat from the organization and closed 500 stores. They reinvested in technology. They reinvested in fresh fresh espresso machines. They invented new different lines of coffee to show they were serious about coffee and the romance of a coffee shop. Bit. By bit, by bit, they reinfused. This is who we are and why we exist into their organization. Not just to grow fast, but to create an experience that nurtures the human spirit. And the rest is history. People have written books about this. People have spoken at conferences about this. People have studied it from a leadership perspective. And the rest is history. Because they went right at the leak. And they reinfused who they were and why they existed. This not only happens with businesses, this also happens with all sorts of organizations, including churches. Churches can have vision leak. Churches can forget 
who they are and why they exist. And it's a tragic thing when a church forgets who they are and why they exist. I went to Scotland, um, oh gosh, 15 years ago now, something like that. I can't do math off the top of my head while I'm speaking. A while ago. And I went to Scotland. And um, you know what most of the churches look like in Scotland? They're museums or bars because they died. And now people rent them out for other things. There's nothing sadder than what should be a symbol of the hope of the world found in Jesus. But when followers of Jesus forget why they're there in the first place and why they exist, they turn inward, they become selfish, they quit looking at the pain of their neighborhood and only look to their needs. And when churches and Christ followers turn inward, hope dies. And it's like hope gets poured out on the ground and waste in a world that's dying of thirst for something real and true and good. And hope filled, found in Jesus. We say unapologetically here at Community of Hope, with all my heart, I've bet my life on it, I'll die for this. The local church is the hope of the world. Amen. Because... The local church is the only organization on earth that stewards the power that changes a human soul. It's not in and of ourselves. We have no power in and of ourselves. It's in the name of Jesus that heals and transforms and forgives and sets people free like Curtis and like me and like you. It's only the name of Jesus that does this. The world's solutions to the world problems are government intervention and education and resources. And all those are so good and so needed, but they won't get to the root of the issue. And the root of the issue is broken and corrupt human hearts that need grace to transform them. There's nothing sadder when the church of Jesus forgets who they are. Their vision leaks, and we waste hope. There's nothing sadder in the world. So what are we doing here today? We're here to refill vision. Not that there's a massive leak in our church, but we just know as wise leaders, or we're aspiring wise leaders, I should say. I'm not, I'm not breaking my arm to pat myself on the back. Yeah. It's very nice of you. <laughs> We're here to impart vision because we know it just leaks. And we're never going to forget who we are and why we exist. Amen? Amen? This is who we are, and this is why we exist. It comes from Jesus. The Gospel of Matthew, chapter 28. Jesus says here, in verse 16 through 20, Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee. Remember, Judas has betrayed them and died already, so it's the 11 now. The 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. 
And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Lord Jesus, this is your church. This is your vision. This is your mission. It's not ours, but we gladly have open hands to receive it from you. Pour fresh vision into your church, this little part of your vineyard here at Community of Hope. Pour fresh vision into your church so we can remember who we are and why you've called us to exist as a community. It's in your name we pray, and everybody said, amen. Amen. Okay, so the passage we just read is commonly known by Christ's followers as the Great Commission. Everyone say that. The Great Commission. There's a version of this in all four Gospels, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the ancient biographies of the life of Jesus. It's also in uh, the, the letters, it's also in the book of Acts, which talks about the, how the beginning of this Jesus movement began to explode all over the known world. In all four of these events and in Acts, Jesus sends his disciples out with the mission to continue on his ministry. Here in the Gospel of Matthew, which was written by Matthew, who was one of the 12, he was the tax collector. He's beautifully depicted in the series, The Chosen. If you haven't gotten to watch that yet, oh my goodness. Don't miss out. Uh, Matthew is such a great character in that. Um, Matthew is writing this from a firsthand account. He experienced this. He heard Jesus say these words. And because um, he was like the ancient version of the IRS, he was good at note taking. (laughs) He was. He was a tax collector. And so he wrote this down. So in Matthew, Jesus' ministry begins in Galilee and it ends in Galilee. In Matthew, every time Jesus has something important to say, he says it from the top of a mountain because Matthew is depicting Jesus as the new Moses for God's people to set them free out of bondage and slavery. Now, don't worry, Floridians. Jesus likes beaches too. Even though we don't have mountains in Florida, Jesus will still speak to us here. The Great Commission can be divided up into two parts. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This is called evangelism. And then teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. This is called discipleship. It's two parts, evangelism and discipleship. Evangelism, now people have co-opted that term to make it mean all sorts of things. I remember being at Florida State University, and evangelists would come to my campus where I was trying to win college students who were literally drinking themselves to death. I was trying to win them to the hope of Jesus and to tell them, hey, Jesus doesn't hate you. He loves you. And then people would come to my campus with huge signs, with five columns of all different types of people that God hated who was going to send to hell. And those were called evangelists? I think not. What evangelism is, is about telling people good news. That Jesus loves you. That he's real. That he died and lives for real. And can bring hope and life can forgive you of your sins, reconcile you to God, heal your broken heart, and offer you eternal life, and death does not have the final word. I'm going to preach my face off in here, man. I'm feeling this. That's evangelism, not this weird thing that we do in our country sometimes. Evangelism is about helping people understand the best news in the world, the hope of the world. Jesus. That's what it's about. It's helping people understand that and they give their lives to it. That's what it is. 
And then over here is discipleship, which is helping people understand that they can be different, that they can live like Jesus, that the Holy Spirit is real, that Jesus sends it from the, from the throne of the Father to come dwell inside of each one of us, that you not only can be forgiven of sin, that you can be set free from sin. Amen. He's a chain-breaking God, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, you can obey everything Jesus has commanded us to do. Good news all around. Now, any, any good church, their mission and their vision that leaks should encompass both of those things, evangelism and discipleship, into one. They don't have to use it word for word like Jesus, but they need to contextualize it for their community and for their time and the day and age they are in. But it still needs to honor the Great Commission. Here's Community of Hope's mission statement. Let's read it out loud all together. Um, most of you know if your partner is here, but let's just read it together. We exist to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and grow together into fully devoted followers of him. Do you see that? We're going to interest disinterested people in Jesus. People who think they don't give a flip about God or spirituality. We're going to help them become interested. And then their whole life is going to be turned upside down by the love of Christ. And then we're going to help people become fully devoted followers of him. To love him with all their heart, with all their soul, with all their mind, with all their strength. It's both and. It's both and. In our last series... In Rooted, we talked about how to become fully devoted followers of him to let your roots grow down deep. And I'm Community of Hope. We're going to spend several weeks as a church talking about the first half of our mission statement. We exist to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ. This is why we as a church exist. Now, let's go back to our passage. What can we learn about the Great Commission? What can we learn about real evangelism from this passage? If you're taking notes, write this down. First, I see power in our passage. I see power in it. Matthew 28, verse 18. Jesus says this. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. See, sometimes when people think about this topic of evangelism, they get anxious about it, and they get nervous about it, and they put too much pressure on themselves. Like, what do you mean? You want me to talk to my friends about Jesus? I, I feel like I would get nervous, and then I would get nauseous, and then I would make it weird, and then I would run away and never want to be friends with him ever again. Can anybody relate to that? Yeah, I can, and I do this for my job, Okay. This is a real thing. Now, but the wonderful thing that we could see immediately in the Great Commission is that being able to share what Jesus is about and to share the hope of Jesus with others, man, it's not up to you. There's power that's not of our own. All the authority in heaven and earth has been given to the one with scars in his hands who died and bled and rose from the dead in our place. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him, and there's power at work in people's lives, and everybody you meet, all around you, who might be disinterested in Jesus, maybe you yourself are here visiting or streaming online, you're not even sure yourself. Right now, the power of Jesus is at work in your life to convince you and woo you to himself in love. Right now. In fact, you see this in Acts, the beginning of this church, this Jesus movement, Acts 2, 46 through 47. 
It says it here. Listen to this. Pay attention to the language. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together, glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And watch this. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. They weren't doing it. Jesus was doing it by the power of the Holy Spirit. There's power at work that's not of you. It's not all on you. It's just not. Everybody take a sigh of relief. (gasps) There's power at work. We can also see that there's a process at work. There's a process at work. Jesus goes on to say in verse 18, oh, excuse me, verse 19, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything. I've commanded you. Now, leave that first verse up there for, uh, therefore, go make disciples. If you guys could leave that up there, that would be helpful. Let's take a moment and just focus on that first phrase, where therefore, go and make disciples. Now, many people have interpreted this of like, therefore, go and make disciples really far away on the other side of the world, of all nations. And it does say, of all nations. And this is um, very helpful, and we certainly admire and want and need international missionaries and for people who are willing to cross cultural boundaries and go to different countries to share the hope of Jesus. Thank God somebody left Jerusalem and went to Scotland, right? (laughs) Man, I'm so grateful for that. But this is not only what that passage means. So people think it's therefore go a very far away and make disciples of all nations, but you miss the point. If you're not called to be a missionary, it still involves you. Because if you look at the original Greek text, the grammar of it should say something like this. It's not therefore go. It really should be a long, it means something more like this. Therefore, as you are going already, make disciples. As you're going about your work day, make disciples. As you're going about your travels, make disciples. As you're going about your friendships, make disciples. As you're dropping your kids off at school, make disciples. As you're checking into your classes, make disciples. As you are going about your life, you, you, go make disciples. All y'all, go make disciples. It's Loxahatchee version. All y'all, go do it. This has to do with everyday life. There's power. And there's a process that's going on that is already at work in your life. And then there's a promise, which is evangelism has a promise with it. It's one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible. The second half of verse 20, Jesus says this, it's surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. This is a paradigm shattering verse and sentence. Because you just have to know the narrative of the Bible has always been God is just trying to be with his kids again. When they were expelled from the garden, he followed them. And then he taught them to make a tabernacle so he could be with them. And then he had them build a temple so he could be with them. And then he sent his son Jesus to be God in flesh with them. Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. And then not just around us, near us, But Jesus ascended into heaven and sent his Holy Spirit so he could be God in us. See, this whole endeavor of evangelism isn't about our power, our strength, our creativity, our ingenuity, but about an indwelling person who's with us. 
who wants to work through us to unite people around us to the God who is the lover of your souls. This is what it's about. So I want you to know one thing today, and I want you to do one thing with this today. Here's what I want you to know. I want you to know one thing. I just want to make sure I say this. I know what I'm going to say. I just want to make sure I say it right. At the end of the day, here's what you need to know. This is not the calling of pastors, of church staff, of Billy Graham, and Mother Teresa. This is for everybody. This is not just a great commission. This is your commission. If you are a follower of Jesus, this is your commission. If you're not yet a follower of Jesus, what you need to hear today is following Jesus is the best decision you could ever make in your life. Jesus makes every part of life better. It doesn't make it easier, but he does make it better. And you should give your life to him. Oh my goodness, it'll be the best decision you've ever made. But for those of us who are, do identify as followers of Jesus, this is your commission. Your commission. Not a great commission that we admire, like, that's cool. Look what all those professional Christians should do. Wrong. Whose community of hope? We are. Yeah. You are community of hope. Not people with a microphone. I am too. But we are, you are, community of hope. You need to know this. You need to know this because otherwise you'll pass the buck on to somebody else, to some professional, some famous person, some author, and you won't realize that Jesus in you might be the only Jesus that some people in your life will ever experience. You are Jesus' plan to reach the people in your life. You're his plan, A, B, C, D, and E. You're it. You are community of hope. Now, when I tell it to some people, some of you are like, yeah. And some of you are like, oh, God, are you sure? Because people get intimidated by this, because our culture has done the topic of evangelism so poorly. Some have made it a political thing. Some have made it a weird and forceful thing. Some people have done it in the least emotionally intelligent ways humanly possible. And some people have left a horrible taste in their mouths. Because everybody thinks that this endeavor of evangelism is about talking first. And they're wrong. Here's just what I want you to do today. You know what you need to know. Here's what you need to do. You need to commit today that evangelism begins not with talking, but with listening and how you live. Did you know that there is real data out there now with wonderful Christian organizations that do polling, that try to hear from unchurched people? about their barriers to Christian faith. And the number one thing they found out is the way that somebody would be most open to taking a step of faith towards Jesus is actually through a one-on-one conversation with a friend. 
And the top characteristic of somebody that they would listen to about Jesus isn't somebody who has a beard and speaks compellingly from a stage or not, but of somebody who will listen without judgment and who will not force a conclusion, but just be a good friend. Evangelism, what we want you to do in this very first step of learning how to reflow vision back into our church is if you have the Great Commission in your heart, And you just need to understand that it starts first with being a good friend, being a good listener, and living well. Be a great employee. The people who are the most hardened at your work who, um, how do I say this? Who are um, negative towards Christianity. The best thing you could do is show up on time, work hard, be a good coworker, do what you say you're going to do, when you say you're going to do it, and be on it. The best thing you could do with people who are slightly interested is to ask them questions and to have an open heart. And the people who might become cautiously open to Christianity is for you to gently respond to them and share your story. It just happens naturally. One of my favorite stories about all this, my dad was an executive with Aetna. Um, and we moved from Seattle to Denver to Florida. And uh, he you know, just got to serve a whole lot of people. And uh, when he had one day when he was in his office in Tampa, and um, there was a woman who was a coworker of hers for years, and she came up to him and said, can I ask you a question? And he said, sure. And she said to him, hey, um, there's something different about you. I don't know what it is, but I want it. Whatever it is, I-, I want what you have. Can you tell me whatever that is? And my dad said, sure. And like the high-level, classy executive that he was, he took her to Burger King across the street from the office. (laughs) And across from two Whoppers said, let me tell you about Jesus. Evangelism starts with you being the type of person who lives and listens well first to others. I had other stuff, but I'm just going to leave it there for now. This is not just a great commission. This is your commission. We're going to learn how to lean into this for you to be community of hope all across the next several weeks. It starts with this. Be a great listener and live well amongst those who are far from God so that they'll see you and say, you have something I want. Would you tell me what it is? And you can look at them and say, it's not something, it's someone. And let me tell you his name. Amen.